This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, I want you to go over to John chapter 17. I'm going to read our foundational scripture in Philippians, but I want you to meet me in John 17. We have been teaching a process, I think this is like our 13th teaching on this particular subject. And God is dealing with our hearts and he's dealing with us, men and women. He's dealing with us in such a way that we can grow up, that we can be developed. And he's especially teaching to those at Church of Living Water that's on the wall, wall builders, because he's called us to this time of wall building. See, a lot of times we think it's immediate. We just need to jump on that. But God had to give, he's given us tools. He's given us time. He's given us not a long time, but a span of time to get ourselves positioned because we don't want to be able to come off the wall no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstance. And many things will happen along the way, but we have to stay focused and we have to hear what God is saying. God is teaching us, preparing us, getting us ready for his next move. So you won't have to say, oh, he never told us about that. Let me tell you, I'm not surprised and shocked about pandemic, um, racism, all uh, none of that. Because why? It's all foretold in the scriptures. God now does God say it's going to be a pandemic all over the world? He does, but He tells all of it. You know what? You got to you got to minister to His word, listen to His word in spirit and in truth. Because over the whole world, He did said that was going to be troubles. There were going to be many things that's happening. There were going to be poisons in the waters. There's going to be... It's, something else is coming. Because it's all according to His Word. You better listen to... You better... I know, I know, I'm not that big, great evangelist. And I'm not, I'm, you know, we're not a mega church, thank God. And we're, you know, we're not all of that. And I'm not popular where you see me on every channel. And I'm not, uh, what you call those, life coach. Oh, no, no, no. I'm <laughs> a life coach. That just tickles me. But I'm not any of that. But I am a woman of God. And I'm here to tell you. And you're always looking for the prophetic. But get this. There's something else coming. And unless you're prepared for it, you, even the elect, you're going to fall away. You're going to be taken away. You know how you're going to be taken away? By signs in the sky. Because if it were, if it's signs in the sky, it has to be a miracle. It has to be God. But the enemy can do that as well. The only way that you're going to survive these things, you had better be rooted, grounded, settled, established, and productive in order to be able to visually see, spiritually see everything that's happening now and to come. But thank God we have a Savior that who was and is and is to come. So we don't have to fret. We just have to be positioned. For whatever happens, we need to be positioned for it. In Philippians chapter uh, 2, verse 12, it said, Wherefore, my brethren, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we got to understand, you are working out your own salvation in everything that's being taught. I want you to understand, nobody's going to do anything for you. God is it. Jesus already did all he needed to do for you. Now you have your part. The Bible says we're working together with him. So your part is now to position yourself. Amen. We're, we're being restored by the master's hand. So when the master put his hands on you, let him restore you. You can't tell the master how to restore you. He is the one that's doing the restoring. Let him put his hands on you. Let me tell you, it's a privilege and an honor just for him to put his hands on you. You ought to just be thankful. Those of you that are streaming, you ought to be thankful to be in this room this morning just to say, I'm in a place where the master's hands is about to touch me. You're going to get in on the blessing on Church of the Living Water's blessing, just coming in and visit or snooping around or whatever. You know, a lot of times peeping tongues are, you fool around and get blessed. Amen. So let the master touch you by his hands. Let me tell you, it's nothing like having the master's hand. And we've used Jesus as our example along the way. What a great example. He laid the examples out for us because he showed us how to complete something. He showed us how to finish a work. And we have to not be non-finishers. We have to be people that finish it. And he, the Bible teaches us that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He came to finish. In every dispensation, in every span of time, he finished. It even says in the scripture, as he grew up, when he was a child, he grew. Every dispensation of his life, as as adolescence, he grew and matured. As a young man, he grew, he matured. Every dispensation, he made it good. He finished with the process of maturing. Have you matured? Have you matured to a place? If It's time if not. Sometimes you can't mature until you get enough information, enough knowledge, and enough wisdom to operate in it that you may mature. The Bible said he increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor, and favor with God and man. And then he stayed on the cross for our benefit. And he died for our benefit, not for his. He, did, he took on your sins, my sins. And then after he finished that, he said, it's finished here on earth. Finishing is important. He secured our victory. He went into hell for three days and three nights, took our victory, took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and he took them, and he had freed us, and he has made us free. And they ran, when they went to, the, uh, to his grave and rolled the storm away, they said, oh, my God, he's not here. He has surely risen. His clothes were still laying there, wrapped up. As if, No, see, you think that like he was unwrapped and they were, no, he was still wrapped like, like, how could he have gotten out of here? Well, didn't he tell you the way he was going to get out? He was going to. He went down and he took, he took care of everything. He made a show of everybody in Abraham's business. He made a show of everything in hell, in that compartment of hell. Made a show of them openly and have freed us. And now you can walk as free. You can be as free as you want to be free as long as you're born again. Amen. And then, then after he finished that work, he went and sat at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercessions for us. Thank God. When you mess up, he leans over to the Father and said, I died for that. 
And that, let me tell you, that eases God, that soothes God's wrath against sin. Not against you, against sin. That's penalty for sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But Jesus leans over and lets him know that I died. But thank God for an intercessor. Amen. And so in verse 4, let's, let's, let, Jesus is letting us know that he did what God sent him to do. Let's, let's read that. Where, where are we? Ver, uh, chapter, ver, chapter 17, verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He's letting us know, I have finished. I've done what God has called me to do. I want you to know God gives us time to do things, dispensations of time, in order to perform his will. He just gives us that, and he said, perform it. So if we are to finish, we must be established and productive. I mean, when I, uh, you need to be, when I say you need to be established, what that is, I need to make sure that God's desire, whatever God's desire to accomplish in my life, and in, 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 and in my, in my life and through my life, is all for His purpose. I established that in me. So I yield myself for that. What is that that God is trying? You need to ask yourself, what is that? What is that that God is trying to do in me and through me? What is God trying to do in my life for the benefits of others? You have to establish that right now. When right now, you have to establish this right now. You can't wait. You can't say, okay, I know we're doing, but I'm, I'm going to soon, I'm going to get it together. No, no, no. Right now, right now is the time to do that. When I say being established, I mean that we have to establish what is required. What is required of me to do the will of God? You have to establish that. What, when I say what is required of me to do the will of God, what, you, you need to ask yourself, what kind of time is it going to take? What type, kind of time do I need to do the will of God? What type of energy do I need to do the will of God? What type of work do I need to do? To do the will of God. You have to do that so that everything, you know, so that everything that God puts in your hands, you can continue it, you can bring it to a place of maturity and let it continue in excellence because why? I took out the time to say, let me see how long, how, how much time is this going to take? How much energy? What kind of work do I have to put into it? You got a work to do. Amen. And we said our goal is to bring us into a place of perfection. A, a whole place of perfection. God, our whole goal in this ministry and in this series of teaching is that God, we want to do your will. We want to be prepared. And God is making preparations for us. And, and then, and, and, and everything that He's telling us, He said, I want you to continue in excellence in every area. I want you to continue in excellence in your marriage, in your finances, in your home, in your family. In whatever, you know, whether, even in your assignment that He gives you, in, in whatever God is telling you to do, God has given it to you, and you have to make it good. Amen? Church, you must understand, when God speaks, He's trying to do something in you and through you, for the benefit of somebody else. Stop thinking about yourself. Get out of being selfish, and start thinking on someone else. 
Our intent of this series is teaching us that we can redeem the time. Now, whenever this ministry talk about redeeming the time, because we're, we're not talking about making up for some time that you left. When we say redeem the time, we're talking about making the time good. Because once time is gone, it's gone. So we're not talking about going back and trying to do something. To, no, no, no. That's gone. Redeem the time right now and make it good. Amen. Now, and I've told you time and time again, and I told you when I first brought this up last year, I said I'm going to be dealing with time all year. Time is valuable. It's valuable. Don't waste it. You don't have time to waste. We don't have time to lose. You don't have time to throw away doing foolish things, doing ungodly things. You don't have time for that. Time is valuable. Our purpose is that we can finish our work within this dispensation, within this amount of time, because you don't have a lot of time. You have only a span of time. And God has given it to you as God's time. Every person in here, you have to work to do what God has told you to do. Listen to me closely. We need to finish the work of this ministry. We gotta pray. That's our main, you know, that's our main goal. And our, and, and the work of this ministry is to re- bring restoration to the next generation. We have to finish that work. As a church, we have an assignment. And our assignment is to build the foundation. Build on the foundation that our founding pastor laid. It's laid beautifully. Let me tell you, where there's a stable foundation, I'm telling you the structure will stand. Where there's a weak foundation, the structure will crumble. But we are on a firm foundation which has been established on the gospel of the apostles. We have established for years, almost 30 years, our pastor dug and dug and dug deep and had to deal with situations in and out of that while still building, laying a foundation that we can build on it. We shouldn't take that lightly. We should be where if he, if he has the opportunity to look over the balconies of heaven, he can stick his chest out of heaven and say, they got it. They are building on what was left. He, he's with that. Who do you think the great crowd of witnesses is? Well, that's somebody. Yes, that's not. What, what, what do you think? See, if you don't believe that there's a great crowd of witnesses in heaven, well, I don't know what I, I don't know what you think happens when people die in the Lord. In the Lord, did you hear me? In the Lord. So we need to 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 understand that and be on board with that. And walk according to that. And say, God, I, you know what? I'm not going to let this foundation that's laid upon me go to waste while I'm wrapped up in foolishness. No, I have to build on that. I have to, I have to make it good right now. Redeem the time. Amen. And because this generation has to rise and build and they need to be established. So in our assignment, we need to seek and save the lost. Those who are lost, hurting, and they need to be healed. They need to be rebuilt. They need to be repaired. They need to be prepared. They need to be equipped. They need all of those things. And if we're to give them all those things, we have to first be established ourselves so that we can be able to give that to others. C-O-L-W, we must finish every dispensation. So we've learned that there are no, we, we, now God has told us over and over again, when you don't finish, you, are, you have a restless life. 
Always making painful adjustments. Why? I'm just so restless. Why can't I just... What is it? Why do I feel so restless? Because you haven't finished something. Some things you're going to have to let go. You can't go back there, but we're going to get that. I'm going to peek my hand. Church, you need to finish so that you can glorify God, so that you can move on to the next level of productivity in your life. I want you to finish so that you'll be able to bless the lives of others. That's my whole point. We always need to be a blessing in the lives of others. Not with things and stuff, but with where our life is glorified and that they can read us, that our lives can be living epistles where they can read us and that they will want the God that we have. I told you, you cannot complete a work by being distracted by others. Now you better, I told you this in the last year, you have to watch out for others. Folk will come into your life, listen, and they will take take you completely off course, and then laugh after you got off course. They will come into your life just right quick, and just pull you off course. And then laugh that you've been taken off course. And then also you can be drawn away with your own lust. Doing just ungodly things. Unthinkable things. Things that we can't even say across the pulpit. Just doing foolish things. And it'll pull you off course. And this is one of the very important things that you must do. You must not ever reject godly counsel. You must not reject godly counsel. When authority tries to tell you to go left and you still want to go right, you're going to end up not finishing, not completing what God would have you to do. I promise you that. I promise you that. I don't care how much you have a desire to do it. You have been taken off course and you're not going to complete what God has called you to do. Then we said that you have to see. You have to see the end. See the end right now. That is when God speaks to your heart. You have to take the time to see what he's saying to you. See, he's speaking to you this morning. You need to take time after you get off streaming and see what he's saying. See what he wants to do in you and through you. And then once you see it, then you have to be established in what you have. and what you have to do. Amen? Most of the time we don't complete things because we look at what we're missing. Oh, I don't know. But no, no this, always. God will never, ever give you instructions without giving you the resources to bring it to pass. Never. Now you might not think it's enough, but it's more than enough. He's going to be glorified in it. Amen? He's going to always give you what you need. You have what you need to get it done. If God told you to do it, you have what you need. But I'm waiting, you know, I'm trying to build this up. No, no, no. No, you are, if God has spoke to your heart, you have it already. You have to look at what you have. Because evidently, what you have is enough. Then you have to establish a plan. You have to, how do I get this done? Establish the work. Is it a good work? Yes, it is. Is the work of God? Yes, it is. Then get to work. Then we said that every day you have to maximize your time. You just have to get up. Get up and work. Get up. You need to work out your own salvation. You need to press. 
You need to pray. See, that's what a lot of us do. We get up, but we don't press. When you don't press, guess what? You don't find any urgency to do anything. There's no urgency about it. And God wants you to have an urgency about what he wants you to do. But if you're not pressing, you can't. Only people that press can see the urgency of getting done. And then we said you have to be faithful. Being faithful means you have to, again, just get up every day with the determination. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to. I'm going to be faithful. Amen. Now, let's start our new information. Today, and I told you last week, I said, you know what, I'm going to deal with this because I believe that a lot of people are missing it. So you're going to hear some things that I kind of touched on last week, but we're going to get a little more in depth in it. How do I start over? How do I start over? So if you want to subtitle that, just say, how do I start over? Now, when I talk about starting over, I'm not talking about going back to a previous dispensation of time or something that happened later. I'm not talking about that. Follow me. How do I start open, over? See, here's the thing. I want to remind you of what time is. And I've taught it months ago. This is what you need to hear. See, some of you streaming may not have heard this, but I want you to know time is linear. We have clocks that are round, and we act like time is going to come around again. But no, that's a clock. But time is linear. It's linear. It's going straight from one point to, an, to another. All the way. We've been in time since the beginning of time, and it's linear. Do you have that? For those of you and I, because San Antonio is my hometown, it's like being on 410. You go on 410 and you can drive long. If you drive long enough, you'll eventually come back around to the, to, to your, uh, an exit. It's just, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. You just gotta go. It's just from one point to another. It's linear. Time is like a highway. <laughs> it's linear. One point to another point. So when I start over, I'm telling you how to go back. Listen. Now I'm going I'm to show you how to go back. Because see, that's where we like, okay, start over. How do I go back? Listen. You can't go back. You can't go back. You know, oftentimes people say, if I can just go back. If I could just go back. But you can't go back. People say, if I can take, you know, if I can take what I know now and go back. Well, the problem with that is, if you go back, you won't know what you know now. So we leave that alone. About what you could have known and what you should have known. And if you went back and, oh, I wish I didn't know. Now listen to this statement. Even if you have to repeat an experience, you got to know that it's in a new time. It's in a new time. Even if you have to repeat an experience. Now, when I say repeat an experience, I mean it might be something that you've done before. But you got to know, but it's in a different time. It's in a new time. So when I'm talking about starting over, you have to get going Listen, you got to get going back out of your mind first. 
Because when I say starting over, stop telling, okay, well, I need to go back. No, get that out of your mind. There's no going back to 2019. There's no going back to 2018. I wish there was. There's no going back to 1999, 1974, 1965, 1918, nothing. 18, nothing. You cannot go back. You are in the time you're in right now. So those times or whatever happened in those times, and you know, oh, I remember when I was in, oh, if I can go back. Those are over. But you need to know in this time how to start over. Even if you have to repeat an experience. You have to finish in a... Listen, you have to finish in a new time. When I talk about starting over, I'm talking about when you didn't maximize your previous dispensation or dispensations. I'm talking about when you were in a dispensation and you didn't finish. Or it's several dispensations along the way and you never finished many dispensations. How, God, can I start over? I'd have missed so much and wasted so much time and did so many things. How do I start over? You're in a good place this morning. Now, I want to say this so that some of you won't feel like, oh, they're just talking about me. All of us, this is true of all of us, we have missed it before. Every one of us. There's not a person, I don't think, under the sound of my voice, who can look back over their life and say, in every dispensation, every one I've ever gone through, every time in my life, I've maximized it to the highest level. That's the people that's trying to fool you. That's the people that you look at and you look at like they make no mistake. I'm here to tell you they do. And they have missed it. Uh, there's nobody. Only one that I know is Jesus. That said I've maximized to the highest level and finished everything that God asked me to do. Everything. Not only finished what God asked me to do, but I finished it in the way that he wanted me to do it. In the way that he'd have me to do it. I would suggest that if you like, if you're like me, there are some dispensations of times that you can look back over your life and, you know, that you didn't quite finish and you, you know, and you know you, you should have finished it. You know what? I should have finished that. I can look, but certainly I can look back on my life and say, you know what? I could have finished that. But you didn't maximize it. You didn't get everything out of it. Now you can't go back, but you can start over. You can't go back. Ooh, ooh, just tell us what we need to do. See, that's the problem. We want to rush into it. I'm trying to lay the foundation for you. You just want to know how, 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 how. Well, all you have to do is, first of all, learn patience. You're going to get other starts. Understand this. Starting over is something like a sports season. You know, I, 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 I look at a lot. Now I look at a lot of, um, I can get YouTube on my television, so I go back and look at all the old Olympics and all the different, different things. But listen to me. You could 
lose every game, every game for in a season, but the next week you still have another game in that season. You can miss 10 games. You can lose 10 games, but you got 11th one coming. Notice this. They don't end the season because you lost. You still got to do another one. You still got to do another one. So, see, what we do, we like, oh, how this messed up. Mm -mm. They don't cancel the season when they lose. They go back to practice and they get back on the field for the next week. We're talking about starting over. And I want to make sure that I make it clear so that you'll understand that you have to learn how to start over. Just because you failed at something don't mean that your whole life is canceled. Listen, when I say starting over, I'm simply talking about how to avoid the same results in your new time. Because, see, you might be doing the same experience. You might have to have the same experience. But how do I avoid the same results of not finishing in a new time? See, this happens all too often. You can be in a new time and still you can get the same results. Mm Do how many of you know that there's some things you have started in multiple dispensations of your life and didn't finish any of them? You started in your 20s. You started when you was in your 30s. You started when you was in your 40s. You started when you was in your 50s. Just over and over. Dispensation. You started and never have finished any of it. It's the same thing. Every, every, from 20, 30, 40, you always started to do something. Never finished. You started it time and time and time and time again. Never finishing it. So how do I avoid the same results? Because from 20 to 30 to 40, you got the same results. The same results from that same experience that you keep starting over. Now, again, this is not a condemning message. I don't want you to think of it as one. Because if we are honest, and we are, we all have been here where we've made mistakes. Maybe we haven't went as long. Maybe we learned something and we stopped. But we've had one or two, three or four, five or six times where we've done it over. But we've had to do something over. Amen. When you can look back and say, you know, I've started something three or four times. And every time I get close to something that I know needs to be done, something comes up and prevents me. Something comes up every time. And I just have not gotten there every time. And here again, I'm streaming and God's back on my case. He's right back on my case. Why? Because he loves you. He's right back on your case. But you ought to be saying, you ought not be thinking about that. You should be thinking about, you know what? I need to listen closely because I want a different result. I want a different result this time. When I talk about how to start over, I'm talking about how do I correct what is in me 
that causes me not to complete anything, not to finish what God has called me to do, not to finish what I need to do so I can do what God has called me to do. See, because we like to blame everything around us and people around us. Now, you have to stop that right now. You have to stop that right now and say, wait a minute. It's not what somebody else is doing or my situation. The thing that is something is not right with me that's causing me not to be, not to complete, not to finish. Listen, if you don't learn how to start over, it will hinder what God desires to accomplish in you and in this ministry. So to start, number one, I must repent. Oh, Pastor, it seems like every time we come back to repent, that's where it all starts. Why does God keep bringing us back? The first thing you need to do is repent. I've repented. Well, wait a minute. Before you say that you've repented, we're going to dissect repent. And then you'll know if you really repented. First of all, I must repent. Listen to me. If you don't or have not finished or completed something, it's because you did not obey. So we have all been there. All of us, all of God's people have been there. So don't feel bad, just understand. You're in good company, we've all done that. Everybody say, we all have to, uh, let's say that together, we've all done this before. See, we have, we, see, I don't want anybody to feel like that they are just ostracized or that they're only talking about me. No. See, that's the problem. That's the way the devil keeps cheating you. So now you feel okay that it's many of us have, have gone through this. Now some of us may have come out. And you might be still in. Well, that's your fault now. Now you get what they got and come out as well. Amen. Every one of us in here, had, listen, every one of us here in some point have had to repent. We started with salvation. You had to repent. Now, because if you did not finish, it's because you didn't obey. Know that. If I didn't finish something, if I didn't complete something, I didn't obey. And if you really go back and you really be honest, take an honest assessment, somewhere along the line, you quit doing the instructions of God. God's instruction you put on hold. <laughs> you did not see what God said through to the end. You didn't. Something came in and distracted you. How do you know? You don't know that, Pastor. You don't know if I do it. Well, because you didn't finish. You didn't complete it. Now, you may have halfway obeyed, or three quarters of the way obeyed. You might have started to obey and then stopped. You may have obeyed for a while, but you didn't complete it. You didn't finish along the line. Are you with me? Now, this is where God said, and I did, and they, you know, you know what, I, 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 I feel you. I feel where you are. I feel where you are. All of us feel where you are. 
Some of you, we feel, some of you are feeling it right now, but this is where, you know, listen, we're all not the same. We all got different situations going on in our lives. But you still have to finish. Yours is no deeper than anyone else. You have to repent. Now, I said this last week, and I'll say it again. You repent before God. You apologize to man, but you repent before God. We don't repent to man. We apologize to man, but we repent to God. And oftentimes, the struggle to complete things is because we do the opposite. We apologize to God and repent to man. But man didn't give you the instructions. God gave you the instructions. And we don't need to go back and, you know, to find favor with man. I have to repent before God. Now, listen to this. When I repent before God, it will be seen by man. But I don't have to repent to man. I said when I repent before God, it will be seen by man. Are you with me? So it's not for a man, but man can see it. Now listen to me closely. To repent means, here we go. Now if you haven't felt this, you haven't truly repented. Repent means to have sorrow, pain, and regret. If you don't have sorrow, pain, and regret... Just know you apologize to God. You didn't repent. Because true repentance, you're going to have all three of these. That's when I found, I found out that I really loved God and I had a relationship with God. When this happened. When this happened. Not when I just said, God forgive me. Oh God, I'm so sorry. That's apologizing. It's not until you have, say I'm with me, sorrow, Pain and regret. Not until then. That's when I realized my relationship was real. When those three things was in my life. That's when I realized this is a real relationship. That's when I realized that I repented for the first time. And I had did a whole bunch of God forgives me. But they were never true repentance. So I have sorrow, pain, and regret for what I did as it relates to my relationship with God. That's totally different. You have to have that as it relates to your relationship with God. See, before, when I would apologize, mine was based on my relationship with man, what I did to somebody else. Or what it, no! That's not true repentance. It has to affect your relationship with God. Before that, I'm telling you, I did things and you, that I ought not have done or did whatever, or, you know, did whatever I did that was bad and against the Word of God or whatever. I did it because, you know, either I got caught or, I, you know, I felt bad because I did something wrong to a person. But once I had a relationship with the Lord, I felt sorrow. I felt pain. And I felt regret. Because of what I've done to God. Just God. 
It looked like to the world. It looked like to people I may have done it to them, but I did it to God. Church, I'm teaching us how to start over. How to start over, church. We have to learn how to start over with some things. I looked at David here in Psalms 51. Did I tell you all to go to Psalms 51? Did I? Did we read John? Yes, we did. Go to Psalms. Go to Psalms 51. Psalms 51. I don't remember telling you all that. Did I? Okay. Well, go to Psalms 51. Now. In this, see, this, this, all of this is going to tie in. Well, I know what that scripture says. See, that's your problem. That's your problem. I like what Minister Martin said Wednesday. I don't, I don't never get tired of the scriptures. I don't never get bored. Like, okay, they're going to say one that I already know. And I, I'm going to try to say it with them. Okay. Just don't get tired of it. Because God's going to give you something else in it. God will give you something else in it, so don't, 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 don't be so, just follow. In Psalms 51, this is after David basically thrown away all that God had given him. He slept with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, got himself in trouble. She was pregnant. She was pregnant with David's child. And then David gets called out on the carpet about the actions by authority. See, nobody wants to be called out on the carpet by authority. But authority came to David and called him out on a, a, right there. And when he was called out, this is what David penned. This is, shows you true repentance. What have you penned since you truly repented? I like this. Look at verse 1. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God. This is a man that murdered that she was husband, took her, got her pregnant. Yeah, King David. See, a lot of times we think, I like, again, I like, I tell you, I love Wednesday night's message. It was wonderful. But it's just like, you think people know what you know. But they don't. And you be like, you know, I can go on and you be like, what David is she talking about? Because all the David I know is everybody danced like David. No, no, David was a murderer. A whoremonger. Selfish king that thought he could do what he wanted to do. But repentance got him right. Look at verse 1. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Let me tell you, when you truly repent, listen to me, when you truly repent, <laughs> you get concerned about what God is going to do to you. You be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up. You start saying, wait a minute, Ooh, Lord, wait a minute. See, David got concerned about what God was going to do to him. Look at verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. 
Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in my in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts thou hast made thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with a hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my transgressions. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast not me away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy that thou... Let me move this. The, thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Church, David was crying out to God. He wasn't, listen, notice he wasn't concerned about Bathsheba. He wasn't concerned about his unborn child. He wasn't concerned about the, uh, Nathan. He didn't care about what Nathan thought of him at this point. Nathan is the one that came in a, and called him out on the carpet. He wasn't worried about his best friend Jonathan and what he thought. He wasn't concerned about what the kingdom thought about him. See, you can't be concerned about what anybody thinks about you, how they feel about you, how they look at you when you truly repent. He was only concerned about what God thought about him. He wanted his relationship that he had with the Lord to be reconciled and to be right. I'm trying to teach us how to start over. Letter A. If you're going to start over, you have to acknowledge your ways. Acknowledge them. Listen, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. So you don't have, you don't have to go behind a curtain and talk to a priest. See, I'm calling that out on the carpet. You don't have to do that. You don't have to rub beads and light candles. You don't have to tell men, forgive me, for I have sinned. You have to talk to your heavenly Father. That's what you have to do. When I talk about acknowledging your ways, you have to acknowledge them to God. And when I say acknowledge them to God, it's not like you're trying to tell God about what's going on with you. He already knows it's not for God, it's for you. It's always for you. You're not giving God nothing surprise. God, let me tell you about myself. God, I come to you. I feel all of my heart. God, I know all about all of that. It's for you. He already knows your ways. The thing about it, when I pray to God about my ways, I'm just spinning my wheels because he already knows those. David was like, I, listen, I just want to get right with you. I am not acknowledging my ways to God for God's benefit. I'm pouring it out to God. I'm, 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 I'm acknowledging all my ways to God. That's for your benefit. God knows your ways already. 
It's for your benefit because you're the one who needs to get right with Him. You can't get right with Him until you acknowledge that i got a problem. I have a problem. Father, there's something in me that's just not right. I have a problem, God. Coming to Him saying, I know. See, come to Him. when You, you know what? When you, when you start praying, let, 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 me, let me help you in your prayer so that you won't waste time and waste a king's time. When you come to Him and you start talking to Him about your sin, or talk about, first thing you need to say is, Father, I come to You because I know that You already know. Don't go like you telling him something he don't know. Because if he don't know, then he ain't God. So you need to say, I know you know this. And I want you to know that I know it. That's why I'm going to tell you. I want you to know that I know it, God. I know it too. I know that my ways have not been pleasing to you. And I must acknowledge them. For me. I have to let God know that I understand and I accept that the problem is me. You have to make him. You, you, Father, I understand the problem is me. You know why? Because once you do that, now God can forgive you. Now God said, now I can extend my hand and forgive you. Now, God can speak to you. I haven't heard from God. Yeah, well, do this, and then you will hear Him speak to you. But I'm going to tell you now, God can't and He won't forgive you or speak to you until you let Him know that you know that you have a problem. You need to let Him know that you know that you have a problem. Because He already knows. How many of you know that God knows you? He knows you. So He's already... He already knows everything about it. That's no illumination for Him. Know that. You're not just... Let me illuminate this to God because He just don't know... I'm going to tell you this about me, God. David was not illuminating God. He was letting God know that he had a problem with his flesh. What he was illuminating to God was that, God, I know that I have a problem. And I know that I need my Heavenly Father to help me fix it down on the inside. This is on this is an inside thing. Listen. You have to acknowledge. Listen, when you acknowledge, do away with the excuses or the conditions. Whenever I am acknowledging and whenever I am going before God and truly repent, leave off the excuses and the conditions. I did that because you and daddy did this. And I did that because mama and daddy did that. I did this because I didn't have no place. No, you have not truly repented. You have to leave. Oh, did you notice? 
David killed Bathsheba's husband. Did you ever hear him mention, well, she, did you, he took Bathsheba. She was a married woman. Did you ever hear him say, well, God, I would have been okay if she wouldn't have been on that roof being naked. No, see, every time you have an excuse, you have not true, see, you haven't, you don't have that pain and regret and hurt. No. You're apologizing again. And you, anytime you have an excuse and a condition, you haven't truly repented. You have not said, God, I have a problem with my flesh. Take his example. You see nowhere where he blamed it on anyone else. You see nowhere where he tried to make it seem like, I'm still good, this is what happened, and that. No. No. You never see David say, God, it was just one time with Bathsheba and she got pregnant. No. Not true repentance. You have to acknowledge God is nobody's fault. I have the problem. Me and me alone. And I sinned against only you, God. Leave the people, places, persons, things, location. Leave it all out. And say, I wronged God. I wronged you. Listen, to start over letter B, I have to return to a proper heart condition. I have to have a proper heart condition. Listen, when you're not doing what God asked you to do, there's something in the heart. That's why David said, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's why he said, wash me with the hyssop that I might be whiter than snow. David, at the time he was saying this, listen to me, David was in an old chapter. He was prophesying about something that he desired to have happen. Are you following? But now we live in the new covenant. We live in the new covenant. So there's a process to get back to the proper heart condition. That's our responsibility. God, i got to get my heart back right. So we have the Holy Spirit on the inside. So what I have to do is I have to allow the Holy Spirit. I have to allow Him to teach me, to direct me, to remind me. To let this word take root in your heart. Let it get rooted down in your heart. When you're not obeying the instruction of God, listen, you also are not listening to the Spirit of God. No way. You're not listening. You're not listening to the Spirit that lives on the inside of you. You have been... You know... Everything that God's been teaching you and trying to get down on the inside of you and reminding you and, and, and after that, acknowledging has to come. It should come now. You're in a position this morning to just say, you know what, I have to get back with my right heart set. i got to get my heart in the right condition. It's all wrong. You need to let the Word of God wash you this morning. See, you don't, have to, you, you don't have to worry about what a hyssop is. You don't even know what a hyssop is. Listen. 
You just need to get back in the right place. Stop. Okay. You know, I, th- I think I need to find out what it is. Don't you worry about that. You're not using it. You let God deal with your heart right now. How do I wash? The Bible tells us in John 17 that he sanctified them with the truth. Thy word is truth. God is giving you a scrubbing this morning. He's washing your heart. So now I have to get my heart right to God's word. I have to sit in church. I got to sit in the stream. I got to stop moving around. And, with, and I, got to, I have to do it with an urgency. Oh God, I need this. I have to have it. I have to get to a point. Listen. And we are teaching ministry. We know. We take plenty of notes. But listen. Listen to me closely. We have to get to a point where we're no longer taking notes but God is writing it on the tablets of our heart. It's been, it's been, engra- it's been engraved in, the, in our heart. We start there and we continue there but now, our Father, I want it engrafted in the in, in, in the tablets of my heart. You have to let the word start washing you. Washing you. Washing you. Down on the inside. Because there's something down on the inside that calls you not to finish. And I'm just trying to get you to start over. And I don't want you to go into a new dispensation and a new situation with old dirt. That's what we've been doing. With just old dirt. That's why we have what we call spring cleaning at home. We do it in the spring because we try to get all the dirt out that we had from the winter, because from the previous seasons. We like, okay, we're gonna, I'm doing spring cleaning. I want to just get everything out. I want it out. I want you, you get it all out that was once there. You sweep it out. You dust it out. You take it out. You take things out. Like, oh, no, that was in the past season. And why am I doing this? Because a new season is coming. It's coming. And when a new season comes, guess what? You want that season to be clean. You want everything clean. You want a clean slate so you can start filling up. So i got to sweep all that out. Listen, you have a new season right now. Let the Word of God wash you. Don't ignore this. Don't ignore this. It's just some teaching. This is your new season. So that you won't take an old heart condition into a new time. To start over means let us see that you have to think correctly. These things we've talked about, God is back on them. That's what David was talking about. He said, cast not away me from your presence. Restore, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then will I teach transgressors your ways. I like that. When he said, then I will teach transgressors your way, that's David getting back on purpose. Getting back to where he's supposed to be. Right back. See, he was into his flesh. But now he's back on purpose. Remember, it was David the one that soothed Saul with his heart. That was David. Go read it. 
Every time he played the harp, Saul was just being tormented by spirits and everything. But every time he played the harp, it soothed him. David was the one that said, I walked through the valley of the shadow of the death. David was the one who said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This David. David is the one who ministered that his God is God. When he took on Goliath, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that come against my God? This is David. He constantly let sinners know that he was serving the living God. But then all of a sudden, see, he did all of that before Bathsheba. See, you could be all on the right road and then get caught in some mess. David was David did all of that. He was the man of God. He nobody could dare. He took off his clothes, dead, brought the ark back, did all of that. Listen. You can do all of that like David did and get caught up in some mess just one time. Just one time. David said, wait a minute, let me start over. I'm not thinking the way I'm supposed to think. I have to get back into the right way of thinking. In other words, I have to stop thinking selfish and start thinking about the will of God. Stop thinking foolish. Stop talking foolish and start thinking about the will of God. Church, a part of repenting is thinking differently. How many of you know if you go back to your previous dispensations where you didn't finish, I promise you, you'll find selfishness got you there. Your selfish ways. Listen. At that time, it was more important... To satisfy yourself than to please God. But now you're in a new season. Let that satisfaction be to satisfy God. David said, I have to get back to what the will of God is. I have to start over again. To start over letter D. You have to change course. That's what repent means. To change course. To turn around. You can't go the way, that same way any longer. It's no way. That means you cannot go the same way and think you're going to get a different result. Today is the last day that I'm going to step on the wrong direction. That's what you have to tell you. You know what? This is it. I'm not going in the wrong direction anymore. Notice this has nothing to do with anybody else, what anybody has said, what anybody thinks, it has nothing to do with any of that. It doesn't, it, it doesn't have anything to do with anybody's opinion. This is between you and God. This is between you and God. You need to tell God, God, I'm changing course. Why? Because of my relationship with you, I'm changing course. Go with me to Hebrews, run over, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. You have to tell him that. Point number two. You're going to start over. You have to remove the hindrances. Those hindrances. We have to repent, but you have to remove the hindrances. Now listen. Repentance reveals hindrances. 
Repentance reveals hindrances. When we repent, God reveals to us what's hindering us. Every person, if you are a Christian, have to have had to repent, have had a time you had to repent. You know the first repentance that you gave when you gave your life to the Lord. Every one of us did it. Our salvation, I told you that. I repent of my sins, God. Got you right with God. Now you need to understand, God, I care about what you think about my life. You can't hold back. You've done that. How many of you know that once you repented, a lot of things that you thought was okay, it wasn't until you repented that you saw it was wrong. That's why you keep like, oh, well, I don't see nothing wrong with it because you haven't repented from it. It's not until you do that. Once you repent it, everything becomes clear. It becomes clearer. Like these are my problems. I see them. These are my issues. I can see it clearly. This is what I need to change. This or these people or this is what I have to get rid of. The salvation experience and repentance will bring illumination to your eyes. You'll find out again the things you thought were the problem. All of a sudden you see a a problem clearly. Again, I said again, repentance reveals hindrances. When you go to God and say, I acknowledge what I've done. I acknowledge that my thinking is not right. My heart condition is not right. I acknowledge God. I'm going in the wrong direction. I see it. I know it. All of a sudden, God will start revealing it to you. Like, oh my God, I never saw that. He's revealing it to you now. He'll show you how you got there. See, repentance, it takes care of where you are. But removing hindrances, it helps you not to go there again. Did you hear me? Repentances take care of where you are right now. But if you remove the hindrances, it'll help you not go back there again. See, you must see that some of the things, all the things that have led you where you are. Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, I mean 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Get this. The course... Is set already. The course is set. So even though you're starting in a new time, it's the same course. It's already set. That's why we're talking about how you start over again. Not how you go back, how you start over. But once you start, listen, the course is already set. You're not trying to set a course. It's already said. 
Now, everybody's course, everybody have a course that's set before you. Listen, and in everybody's course that's set before them, guess what's in them, in, on that course? Obstacles. It's on that course. It's already set. Things you're going to have to overcome. It's already set on the course. The things you're going to have to endure. Set. So, if you don't finish, and if you don't complete, don't blame the course. Listen. Don't blame the course. Because remember, you repented, you right with God. So it doesn't matter what's on the course. God has given you what you need to get victory on the course. Because the course is set. you got obstacles. Things you're going to overcome. Things you must endure. They're set. You cannot blame the course. It's not the course's fault that you don't finish or you don't complete something. Have you ever thought maybe you're taking too much on that course? Think about it. I like, I tell you, I like to look at all that kind of stuff on TV. I like those sports shows where they show people doing obstacles and they climbing up under rope and they climbing the, the wall and they hanging on deals. And how, how many of you have ever watched those shows where they have, I think they called, I forgot what they called, but they're all different kind of shows where people are doing obstacle deals, all kind of stuff. Listen. That course is already set when they, when they start. Listen. I said, have you ever thought maybe you're bringing too much on the course? Have you noticed whenever those people that are doing those things and they're, they're going through all the course, have you noticed that none of them have a backpack? None of them have nothing with them. Why? Because it's just enough to get themselves through. Have you ever asked yourself, oh, I'm trying to carry too much other stuff up this wall and I can't get over? Situation, circumstance, just, just stuff. You, see, let me tell you. You can't carry your wife over the wall with you. I'm sorry. You'll never make that course. Vice versa. You can't carry your husband. You can't carry your children. Too much weight. You're not going to finish the course. Why? Because God has just told you the course is already set. You're going to have obstacles, things you have to endure. You're going to have circumstances you have to come over. There's many things that set up already on the course. And I have given every individual what they need to get over it. But we're trying to carry everybody on our own. No. That's why you're still on the course and making the wrong choice. You're trying to pack everybody. You're trying to take your wife, the children, the, the house payment. The, you're trying to take everything up the wall and try to get over. And notice, every time you get halfway up, that's why you keep repeating. Because you keep falling down. Because the load is way too heavy. <laughs> Carrying extra weight. 
So it's not the course's fault that you couldn't get over the wall. It's the extra weight's fault. The course is set. Stop blaming the wall. Oh, that's too hot. They asking too much. Is it too? That's too hot. <laughs> Are you trying to take things over the wall? Ask yourself. That's not you, that you're not supposed to be carrying. You think you're going to carry your husband and your children? You think you're going to carry your wife and your children? Listen. You will be, you will fall asleep in the Lord before you ever get over that wall. You won't do it. You can't blame that the rope is too high. You could climb it if you was by yourself. Because this is an individual walk. This is an individual thing. Maybe you're trying to pull too much up on the rope. You know, with the human body, it's an interesting thing. Listen. Your muscles, your ligaments, your tendons, do you know they're all designed to carry just a certain amount of weight? For your frame. That's why when we overload it, we start having problems. Because your frame is only designed for a certain amount. It's already set. We only start having really, really bad problems when you have more on it than it's supposed to carry. More than it was intended. Then the body starts to struggle. Amen. Now, the inner man is the exact same way. The exact same way. Your inner man was only built to carry the will of God. You're trying to take everything else. And when you start packing things on, your inner man that's contrary to the will of God and the word of God, you're putting more weight on your inner man that is qualified to carry. He can't carry it. That's why you can't finish this race. That's why you can't do the will of God. You got too much packed in there. You better, you better loose the load now. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners, Against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. <clears throat> ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourged every son which he received. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as his son. For what son is whom the father chasteneth not? Letter A. To start over, we must remove the ungodly people from our lives. Now notice, I didn't... Listen, listen. Notice, I, notice what I didn't say. I didn't say we have to get the unsaved. I did not say the unsaved. I said the ungodly. 
The unsaved is easier to identify than the ungodly. <laughs> because oftentimes the ungodly hang around godly places. You see. I say the ungodly hang around godly places. But they don't live a godly lifestyle. And you have to remove the ungodly people from your life. You have to remove them from their, posi- their position of influence. Because ungodly people will weigh you down. They'll hold you back. They will slow your progress. And that I'm telling you, they will move you away from the position and the influence of your life. Listen to me. Listen to me and listen good. Especially you, 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 you young people that, you know, want to get married. And you're going to get married one day. I don't care if you're in middle school, high school, you're not married. But notice this. Listen, listen to me. This is, this is strong. But I'm, I'm giving you... What did I say? Don't reject godly advice. Don't reject godly advice. You have to remove people from that position of influence. Listen, whether they be friends, whether they be family, it doesn't matter. You can't allow people to cause you not to finish. Why? You have to move them from the influence of your life. Listen to me, young people. Anytime, any man, woman, boy, girl... Get in your ear and tell you that your parents are controlling. They are considered by God the ungodly. Listen, because let me tell you, many of you, you're going to have friends at school, they're going to get in your ear. Well, they're just trying to be too controlling. They're, they're so controlling. They're, anytime you hear that, that person is ungodly. That's an influence that's coming in your life. And then all of a sudden, anything your parents tell you, you're looking at them like, oh, they're trying to control my life. See, they've already influenced you. But God haven't influenced you. Because God said, listen to your parents. And especially if they're godly parents. You li- now, and, and most of the time, you listen to people that come from broken homes, torn down. I mean, they they all out of the will of God. And they're going to tell you what your godly parents are. And you're going to believe it. Why? Because you've given them the influence. Do not give anyone the influence that will put your parents down in your sight. I don't care how good they look and how much you think you care about them. It ain't that much love alike in the world. You better tell. That, that, that's, that's when you know to kick to the curb. The first time they put your parents down. Not your husband. That's not your wife. Yeah, well, your husband and wife should neither. But I dare you. Dating someone or liking someone, and they're going to tell you about your parents you've been with forever. You put that tail in the wind and thank them where they go in the wind and say, Thank you for that. Now I know you're a thug heathen or a she heathen. Get on out of here. 
You can even tell them this way. Don't nobody talk about my parents but me. I talk about them, but you can't. Get your tail out of here. That's what you do to that. And it's okay if you talk about it because you don't mean none of it. You just mad. Because they're not going to let you, because they're not going to let you get away. They're going to keep you where you need to be so that you can have a successful life. Um, hey, this is godly counsel. This is godly counsel. Don't take it. And you'll see in the future, you'll wish you would have. Whether it's friends or family. Not only do you have to remove ungodly people, you have to remove the access to sin. The access to sin. Now this is a tough one. In this time, because access is so available. It's so available. So it's tough. Everybody have a sin that so easily beset them. Every one of us. And it's different for every one of us. Everybody struggles with something. We all don't struggle with the same thing. Listen, you don't have to know my struggle. And guess what? I don't have to know your struggle. That's between you and God. But you have to remove the access. If it's lying, you have to remove the access. If it's stealing... You got to remove the access. If it's cheating, if it's gambling, if it's sex, if it's drugs, you got to remove it. If, oh, here's a good one. If it's the ungodly pursuit of money, access to sin, you have to remove the access point. We all have different things. It could be hypocrisy. You got to remove the access. You know what easily besets you. You know what throws you off. Oh, this is a good one. For some of you, what throws you off <laughs> is a sinner. And a certain type of sinner. Hmm. Access to sin. Some of you are attracted to sinners. And a certain type of sinner. Remove the access. You got to remove the different things that you do to let sin come in. Lead us to sin. You got to get rid of sinful activities that lead you to sin. Now listen to me. All activities that lead to sin or that are sinful... That leads to sin. You know you have to get rid of them. But guess what? There are some activities that are not sinful. But you have to remove it. Because it will lead you to sin. Even though it's not sin. I'm going to say that again so you can get it. We all know that sinful things, we need to remove them. But sometimes it's certain things that are not sinful. But they will lead you to sin. God will say, get rid of it. And you'll be like, well, I don't know why I need to get rid of that. It's not sin. It's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but God is saying it's going to lead me to sin. <laughs> I got to get rid of it. 
I'm out of time, but I, let, let me let me let me say this. I, I'm going to say a few other things, but just let me say this. Now, some of you, now if you're my age or older, in your 60s and over, you you probably can relate to this. When I was growing up, it was such a thing as a pool hall. A pool hall. And you know, you you a pool hall. That was the, that was the thing. People would go to pool hall. And when they would go to pool hall, they go to pool halls, and they went. They weren't just playing pool. But now in this dispensation, and for younger people, you they probably don't even know what I'm talking about. When I say pool hall, they might be thinking I'm talking about a pool in the backyard, because that's not their dispensation. But. At that time, a pool hall, people would go and let me tell you, money would be on the side of the wood because everybody's playing pool. Everybody, we're we going to do it. They, even with cards, same thing. They'd have money. It was always something going on. It was something that, that now, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you that things might not be seen. Now, a pool table for a person that all they did when they played shoot pool was gamble, that, that was sin for them because it led them to that. They kept, they wanted to, and they would fight and cuss over it, and they would do all, all that. But guess what? To a lot of young people that's way younger than me, when I'm talking about pool hall, uh, they come to my house and play on the pool table. It's nothing to them but a, simply a pool table. But let a person that's with that have an addiction to gambling and did it that way, it's not just a pool table. So see, that's something that can lead to sin, and it's something that, for some people, is sin. I'm trying to get you to see. Some people, you can't, they can't go nowhere. They're looking for it. They're looking for a place. So where, where do they play cards here in the city? Where do they do this in the city? Where do they do that? Because that's, that, that's their sin that so easily beset them. And I'm not saying, I don't know what it is for you. But when you truly repent, God will show you what you can't have access to that will lead you to sin. If you truly repent, you would have, you know, if, if, see, you have, to give, you have to get rid of your ego when God tells you. Because you'll try to hold on. And say, oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. But God didn't say anything was wrong with what God said, but it's going to lead you to sin. Oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. I can handle that. Nope, that's your ego. If God said you can't handle it, you can't handle it. I don't care how much you think you can. But because I've repented, I'm ready to remove the access. Now, some of you could really relate to the pool table, card games, and how people would do it. Dice, you know, we, we, you know, dice us. We know what people would get in the corner doing, and they'd have the dice. Now, for dice, for the younger people, they just think of Monopoly. They don't know any further the dice than that. Listen to me closely. You repent. God will show you. You got to remove the access. Now, even though you can relate to those examples, listen to me. But for others, a touch screen is lethal. <laughs> Just a touch screen is lethal. 
See, we don't see it. It's literally death in the palm of our hands. That's how lethal it is. You just can't handle it. You don't know what to do with it. Oh, yeah, you say, you know, I'm going to use, I'm not going to use this for anything ungodly. I'll go there, Father. Some of you married men and unmarried. Listen. Listen to me closely. You just can't handle having a computer somewhere where your wife can't see. You just can't. Be okay with it. If God is showing you that's what it is, be okay with it. You can't. It doesn't matter if every other husband, every other man can. You can't. Everybody in America can handle a computer where their wife can't see it. But you can't handle it. Because the screen turned in a certain way or a certain angle or going there, you know, it's turned just in a certain way. Right there where I need it. You know you're going to go there. And you know where there is. You, you streamed. And God is here to help you. You can't handle it. Listen to me. Let's go a little further. Some of you that are listening under the sound of my voice, God said, you can't handle a cell phone. Oh, now. See, now it's getting under your skin. Oh, Lord. Not this cell phone thing. Because we'll forget our purse before we forget a cell phone. You just got to come clean. You got to acknowledge. That's me. This is what you have to acknowledge. God, me, and data equals death. Ooh, that was good. You have to acknowledge that. See, that's acknowledging me and data equals death. I hear you at home. I know you're quiet. Stop. No, no. Come back and sit down. Don't get to stir in your purse. Don't go to the restroom. Let God deal with you. Just tell yourself, me and data uh, equals death. And while other people may use it in an innocent way, when I have access to data in the palm of my hand, I'm going to kill myself. I just can't handle it. And if you don't ask, let me tell you, and if you don't deny yourself the access to these things, you're going to destroy yourself. I'm talking about starting over again. And when you, let me tell you, and when you destroy yourself, you're going to continue over and over and over and over and over again and still not finish anything. You're going to keep starting over and over. Watch this. Eventually, you're going to run out of restarts. Got to remove the access. Listen. You know what easily besets you. Let us see. I have to remove the excuses. I have to remove ungodly people, the access to sin, but I also have to remove the excuses. 
This is why we said that I, I like what he said. He said that you have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You know what? It's hard. That's what people say. It's hard. You don't understand. It's so much out there. You just have to. You you just have to remove the access. Oh, you just don't know. Whatever the issue is, you have to remove the access. Oh, you don't know. Ooh, between home, riding home from work, and, you know, getting there. That's, listen, many people ride by and, and ride right by where you stop. So that's no excuse. You got to remove the access. Ooh, but you know, it's some fine girls. That, listen, don't worry about nobody being fine. They ain't looking at you. Last scripture. Go to Philippians. I wind down on this one. Philippians chapter 3. I must repent, remove hindrances, and remove access. Then I must forget. Listen, once I repent and remove, now just forget. Just forget. Forget the past. And remember I told you last year, when I say forget the past, I mean, you don't act like, well, I don't remember it no more, I don't remember it no more, I don't remember it no more. No, no, no. You just don't let it have take precedence in your life. Once you remove hindrances, now it's the past. Because see, whatever's hindering you, whatever's bothering you, whatever about the past, whatever, let me tell you, it's only the present, uh, it's going to always be present to you until you repent. Repent. But once I repent and remove the hindrances, that's now the past. So now I can forget it. Some of you have repented and removed the hindrances. And, and, but, but you just won't forget. And a lot of times, you know, you've you got to just stop dwelling on the, the past. Dwelling on it over and over again. Don't let the past, don't allow the past to influence your life. Don't let the past influence your present. Stop it right now, no longer. I repented before God and I removed the issues that caused me. To be here in the beginning. To begin with. So I remove that. Are you in Philippians chapter 3? Verse 13. It says, Brethren, I count not, my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto, unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Letter A. To start over, you must not focus on the past. Don't focus on it. Learn from it, but don't live in it. Learn from it, but don't live in it. Learn where you went off course. How many of you know that you made mistakes? All of us know we have. How many of you know that you, can, you have learned from it? Take what you've learned and leave the rest behind. Just take what you've learned and leave the rest behind. Let it be. To start over, you have to not think continually. Not only not focus on the past, you've got to stop thinking continually about the past. Oh, if I'd only had done better, 
Oh, I hate I've done that. Oh, I wish I could do that. I can't, you can't continue thinking on that. It's the past. But you know what makes people continue to think like that and think on the past? You don't forgive yourself. So you'd be like, oh, if I could do it over again. If, oh, I hate I did that. Listen, if you've repented before God, He's forgiven you. If you remove the hindrances, you're never going to. And let me tell you, and you keep saying, oh, now, I don't know. I just, I get, listen, God, the hindrances are removed. You can continually, you cannot continually think about the past. You know what it does? It produces fear. And the fear that you're going to do it again. That's the fear it's, it, it leaves you. Oh, I don't know. Oh, what if I slip back into it? What do you know? What if I do that? You're not going to slip back. Let me tell you, if you truly repent it, you're not going to slip back into it. You're not going to slip back into it. Not if you truly repent it. So why would you continually think about what's no longer an option? It's no longer an option. You truly repent it. You ain't got to think about that. Let us see. We have to keep our focus on what's ahead. Let's look at what's ahead. Notice. Notice what he said. Forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. See, you have to be very careful. If you try to forget the past without focusing on what is in front of you, listen, you have idle time. I'm trying to forget the past. And so I'm forgetting what's in front of me because I'm trying to forget the past. It's idle time and it's going to take your mind back to that place. Listen, the will of God is always, always in front of you. Did you hear me? You're looking toward, looking in front. The will of God is always in front of you. Cars have rear view mirrors, but you're not supposed to. You have a window. Now you can look to the side to see what's coming up on the side of you. But to look back, everything in the back, while you're moving forward, is distancing from you. It's leaving your sight. You don't need a rear view mirror. You need a window to look straight ahead. Straight ahead. So our key... And here's your tool. While you're on the wall, and for this day, you need to say this all day. Here it is. Repent, remove, and forget. There it is. I repent, remove, and forget. And watch God begin to speak to you. I repent, remove, and forget. And I'm out of time. I forget, I repent, remove, and forget everything that's going to take me off. Let me tell you, God loves you. He wants you to be where you need to be. He's showing you everything. He's showing you how you can start over in a new time. You have to acknowledge it. You have to see it for what it is. And say, I got to go with this. I have to go. Because God is faithful. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.